Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let's get into today's teaching. So I will open us up in prayer and we will dive right on into the word. Father God, we come now, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise, oh God, thanking you, dear Lord, for this day that you have made, oh God, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for the word that shall go forth on this day, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for uh, each and everyone who's listening under the sound of my voice, oh God, for their very lives. We thank you, oh God, for what you're doing in the midst of their lives, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for uh, the calling upon each and every one of their lives. We just ask you, Holy Spirit, to have your way, have your way on this Bible study tonight. Uh, we ask you to speak, speak that we make uh, understanding. We ask you to speak to our hearts, open our ears and our eyes, that we receive that what it is that you're uh, showing to us. So we thank you now in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Uh, so, of course, last week we started uh, this three-part series uh, entitled The Fight for the Family, Fight for the Family. And so last week uh, was part one of that series, and uh, our topic was the need for family. So we talked about the importance of the need for family on last week. And uh, of course, we said that that uh, God gave us a family because it was something that we needed. And of course, the enemy tries to cause problems in our family because we know that there's generational blessings. Every family is entitled to generational blessings. Um, and so, of course, the enemy wants to stop that. And we'll talk about how uh, the family unit that's on one accord is the most powerful institution along with the church on the planet. So again, the family on one accord, along with the church, is the most powerful institution on the planet when united, uh, as we mentioned last week. And again, we, we said how uh, your family should have a blueprint that generations from now uh, will be able to follow so that you can keep that legacy alive. Uh, so, and on that, we talked about, uh, again, how, how each family, uh, God expects that each family to, to leave, in, in other words, leave an imprint in earth again every family has a collective purpose so your family has a collective purpose yes we have individual purposes but but every family has a collective purpose in the earth so that's what we have to do our part to make sure that we're fulfilling uh, our god-given purpose and our family is fulfilling that but everyone playing uh, their role and again that you're never in a fight against the family but you're in fight for your family and so therefore as the demons try to attack try to do certain things in your family, and it's your, your job to fight back uh, in prayer. Uh, so that's just a quick recap. It was much more that we covered, but if you missed it last week, you can go back and look at the notes and listen to uh, the replay. All right, and so tonight we are in part two, in part two of our Fight for the Family series, uh, and uh, tonight we're talking about destroying generational curses. Again, so tonight is part two, our Fight for the Family uh, series part two. And we talk about destroying generational curses, right? Okay, so understand that, that, that as we mentioned before, how our families uh, have a collective purpose in the earth. So your family is a threat to Satan's kingdom, and that's why he tries to send curses to put your family in bondage. But again, you have the ability to break those generational curses. And there are some things that have been plaguing your family for centuries and has nothing, and nothing has been done about it. And everyone has just been coping and dealing with it personally when it was meant to be dealt with corporately as a family. And so understand, demonic curses are meant to be hidden, 
but God gave you the power and authority and all of heaven's defense on your side to expose it and destroy it. So again, you have the ability to expose and destroy any generational curse that has been plaguing your family. So understand, so it's called a generational curse for a reason, a generational curse. It's generational. That's why it's called a generational curse. It's been passed down from generation to generation. And so therefore, a running definition of a generational curse, I would call it is uh, that a generational curse is a systematic attack of the enemy on families by creating vicious cycles in an attempt to keep an entire family in bondage, strip them of purpose and identity with the end goal of eventually making the family extinct. I'm going to say that again, and again, a running definition. I came up with this for as far as a generational curse, the Holy Spirit revealed. Generational curse is a systematic attack of the enemy on families by creating vicious cycles in an attempt to keep an entire family in bondage, strip them of their purpose and identity with the end goal of eventually making the family extinct. So that's a generational curse. So you can ensure that the family legacy will go on and that the curse is broken. And you've heard about this epidemic, uh, an attack on the the family unit, if you will, that was planned by the enemy. So the enemy may have gained legal access in the spirit to curse your family, but every curse is illegal. Understand this. Every curse is illegal, and you are the curse breaker. So 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 it must matter to you what's going on in your family outside of your own home because it still impacts you. It impacts the legacy of your family. So your family is precious to God. And you could be the very person that God raised up to change the entire path that the enemy tried to put your family on. Again, you could be the very person that God has raised up to change the entire path that the enemy tried to put your family on. So understand, ungodly patterns that you see impacting multiple members in your family is a byproduct of a generational curse. It it, it was an assault on your bloodline by the enemy. And you must see that stuff. You must see it, a generational curse, as an assault on your bloodline by the enemy. These ungodly patterns that you've seen, that you notice, running in your family, generational curse. So the enemy is always trying to attack your family, and it's your duty to cover your family in prayer and to fight back. And the easiest counterattack when the enemy attacks your family is for family to be united. It confuses the enemy on where and who to attack when you, when, you, when you unify, united on one front. So the enemy is always looking for an opening or a weakness to where they can attack. So when your family is united, the enemy does not have a clear path to attack because on every side, they see a big problem. On every side, they see a big problem. So it doesn't mean they won't still attempt to attack, but we know that it won't prosper. It makes it that much more difficult. And there are some attacks of sickness that you've seen in your family. There's some attacks that you've seen uh, patterns of uh, attacks on marriages, uh, just about everyone in the family being single mothers, the majority of men being noncommittal in relationships, addictions, generational poverty, uh, poverty mindset, etc. The list goes on and on and on. But it's all a byproduct of a generational curse. Again, that's these ungodly patterns that you see. Again, it's a systematic attack of the enemy against your family to try to strip them of their identity, to try to strip them of their purpose, to try to create vicious cycles. That's a generational curse. So again, you are the generational curse breaker, and it's your time to take your place. It's your time to take your place as the generational curse breaker in your family. 
So don't shy away from it. Don't shrink back and run from the curse. Don't just say you're just going to live your life because what certain family members are going through is not your problem. Every time the enemy attacks you, it's a problem to God. So every time the enemy attacks your family, it should be a problem to you. Because understand this, a generational curse on your family is not in God's will. So let's make that clear. A, a generational curse on your family is not in the will of God. Therefore, he's looking for some curse breakers, and your name came up. He was looking for a curse breaker in the family, and your name came up. So don't be afraid. You're coming into the greatest season of your life, and God can trust you with this responsibility. You are the DNA, DNA of God, and God does not raise up cowards. He raises warriors to defend his territory and to push his holy agenda. I'm going to say that again. You are the DNA of God, and God does not raise up cowards. He raises warriors to defend his territory and to push his holy agenda. Okay? So, so, so again, your name came up. You the curse breaker. And in order to break a generational curse, you must first know that one exists. And outside of praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you, you can just look at patterns, as I mentioned, that are ungodly cycles. So if you see it impacting family members, then it's a curse. If any problem is duplicated in multiple family members, it's likely the cause of a generational curse that needs to be broken. Again, if any problem that you see that you recognize that's been duplicated in multiple family members, it's likely the cause of a generational curse that needs to be broken. And for every curse that the enemy tries to put in your family, it's a guarantee that God always births curse, curse breakers into the family. So the enemy may have tried to put a generational curse on your family, but there's always those who are born to break the curse. So the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see more because you've been given more responsibility. And when God gives you more responsibilities, it doesn't make you better than someone else. It makes you more responsible for what happens. So it doesn't mean that it's your fault when certain things happen in the family, but it means that you have greater responsibility to do something about it, and it begins and ends in the Spirit. It begins and ends with prayer. So God is asking you. God, hear me clearly. God is asking you to do for family what he didn't ask those who came before you. So just give him a yes and let him do the work for you. Again, God is asking you to do for family what he did not ask those who came before you. So therefore, you should give God your yes so that he can do the work through you. And so understand the family unit has been under a major attack for some time. It's created a gradual decline of the family unit, and many home dynamics have changed. However, there's a mass renewal of the family that is coming in this great revival, and you get to be a part of it. So don't be sad, sad about the attacks the enemy has raised against your family, but get mad and declare war in the spirit. So you have to get mad and declare war in the spirit and fight back against the enemy, fight for your family. And this is another reminder, another reminder to us why we need to increase our prayer life. It's not an option. Prayer is not just the answer. It is the only answer. It is not an option. It is a mandate. So if you really understood the difference that persistent prayer makes, you would realize that you can't afford not to pray. I'm going to say that again. If you really realize and really understood the difference that persistent prayer makes, you would realize that you can't afford not to pray. Because, again, prayer to God is a language that Satan hates. 
Your prayers add to your heavenly bank account, giving you more to withdraw. The more you pray, the more you have to withdraw because prayer can bring anything from heaven to earth, anything you need, anything you stand in need of, anything you're waiting for to manifest. Prayer can bring anything from heaven to earth. Again, another way how you make spiritual transactions, we need faith to make spiritual transactions, and we must pray to make spiritual transactions in the spirit realm. You want to bring heaven on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on this earth as it already is in heaven. So we can pray that down. God's will to be done on earth as it already is in heaven. In heaven, your family is already free. So therefore, we got to bring that freedom down here on earth to break those shackles, break those chains. Every bondage the enemy has tried to keep put on your life, the bondage the enemy has tried to keep your family in, etc. We have to bring that freedom here on earth and literally break the cords of the enemy that's been wrapped around our families and fight for the family, and you have the power and authority to command those generational curses to leave in the name of Jesus. And like I said, some of those curses have been around for centuries, so they're not, they're not going to just necessarily go away the first time you pray. Persistent prayer. Persistent. That is the key. Persistent prayer. And I say week after week, if the enemy is persistent at attack, trying to attack us, we need to be persistent at praying. Okay? So you have to keep praying. So don't be discouraged by what it looks like. Be persistent. Persistent in prayer because every time you pray, it makes a difference. There are some people in your family who is holding on now because you've been praying. So, again, so you can't afford not to pray, okay? Persistent prayer, okay? So, because, like I said, it's been some generational curses that have been around for centuries. There's these demons that have been running around for centuries haunting your bloodline, and they're not going to necessarily just back off the first time you, come, you show up to fight. So you've got to keep fighting. And, but, you, again, you're not coming in your strength. You're coming in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. So that puts you out the way. You've you got to get out the way. You're just simply representing God's king. You are a kingdom ambassador. You, the kingdom that you represent is the kingdom of God. So you are a kingdom ambassador, not no pushover, not no weakling. You are a kingdom ambassador. You are a warrior for Christ. And therefore, if you are a kingdom ambassador, what kingdom are you an ambassador of? You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. It is your duty. It is my duty to bring the kingdom of God here on earth because God said, look, I'm not getting off of my throne. I sent you on earth to do my will. I sent you on earth to do my work to allow me to do it through you, through you. So, again, your family, as I said, is depending on your prayers. There are still some prayers that you prayed that are holding some family members up right now as we speak because of the prayers that you have prayed and are praying. So this is not a time to be, be silent. This is a time to speak up. This is a time, not a time to be laid back. This is a time for war. Your family is in a war against the enemy, and you must stay on your post and fight. It is a war. And I said time and time again we, uh, in our series, the spiritual warfare training series, that how you have to look at it. The enemy's goal is to kill us. That is the enemy's goal. It, he, they're raging war against us. So you have to see it just as that, that, he is, that they are Satan and his kingdom are, are our enemy. And so if they're raging war against us, we've got to rage war back against them. We've got to counterattack, continue to be praying, continue to walk in obedience, continue to stay in God's word. Because, again, we're in a war. But we're already victorious. So it's nothing to be afraid of. You just need to show up and do your part. All right, let's go to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, uh, 7 through 12. Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. All right. And it reads, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. 
And they buried him with the border of his inheritance at Timnath-Herez and the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work for which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. So we see here that after Joshua died and his entire generation had died, there was another generation that arose who did not know God or the work that the Lord had done for Israel. So they began to follow false gods, and they abandoned God and walked in disobedience to God. So we know that Joshua and many in his generation passed the baton on, but somewhere along the way, the baton was dropped by someone for an entire generation to miss it. One generation was so blessed, and then we see another generation that was so cursed. So therefore, you can't afford to play around with the responsibility that God gave you. What you do will hold a lot of weight for the generations after you. What you do, I'm talking to you, what you do will hold a lot of weight for generations to come in your bloodline after you, in your family after you. So again, we have a responsibility to keep moving forward in God and to pass our knowledge and information on to others who will eventually take our place and continue the family legacy. Because again, every family has a collective purpose in the earth. Every family has a a legacy and should leave a legacy behind in the earth. So it's our duty to give them a head start. And whatever curse the enemy had on your family won't get past you. It ends with you, and as you face it head on and destroy it in Jesus' name. So again, whatever curse the enemy had on your family or may have on your family, it won't get past you. It ends with you as you face it head on and destroy it in Jesus' name. So you will be prosperous and successful, and whoever replaces you one day will keep the legacy going. So you may have many decades left on this earth, but every day counts. Every assignment counts. Every assignment God gives you matters. So the decisions that you make today are generational decisions because it will impact generations to come in your family. So therefore, you need to do it God's way. You can't afford not to do it God's way. Again, The decisions you make today are generational decisions because it will impact generations to come in your family. So that's why we need to do it God's way. You are busy making it about you when in all actuality, it's much larger than just you. God trusted you with the assignment. If you abort it, it will mean someone else will have to start over rather than starting from where you were supposed to leave off. So if you ignore what the enemy has tried to do to your family, you're missing it. You can't ignore what the enemy is doing to your family, the patterns that you see. If God showed it to you, you need to, you need to do something about it so you can ca- cause those demons, demons to leave. You have to evict those demons that have been haunting your bloodline, that's been haunting your family by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in you. And again, what is the power? I say it time and time again. The power is the ability. Okay? So that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the ability to cast out demons. That's the ability to command them to leave. That's, that's like arresting someone in the spirit. So that's arresting demons. That's the power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit does it. It casts them. It casts them out. It arrests them. And the authority of Jesus Christ gives you the right to do it. It gives you the right to use the name of Jesus Christ. It, gets you the, it gives you the right to walk in the authority of Jesus Christ legally. 
It gives you legal access. It gives you a pass to, to uh, handle things in the spirit realm. That's what the authority of Jesus Christ does. It gives you legal rights to operate in the spirit realm. It gives you legal rights to engage the enemy that's been trying to attack your family, that's been trying to attack your life. That's what the authority of Jesus Christ does. Again, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what casts out the demons, arrests them, etc., cetera, uh, evicts them. And then we have the authority of Jesus Christ that gives you the right uh, uh, to do it. And, that, and, that, and that's what the demons obey. They have to obey authority, the authority of Jesus Christ, okay, because they understand the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit cast them out, okay? So therefore, when you talk about doing God's will, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the authority of Jesus Christ. And I know I say it all the time, again, you got to get it, that, again, if you have the power and authority, you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the authority of Jesus Christ, when, when, when Christ gave you that authority on earth, again, God gave it to you so you can carry out God's will on earth because it's impossible for me or you to do anything for God without the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And so the authority, now that you have the authority, that again gives you the right of attorney. So you have the right of it, the power of attorney, the power of attorney to you to sign your name on the dotted lines as though you were Jesus, as though you were God, because you're coming in his name. He gave you the power of authority. The, the, I mean, yeah, the power, the power of attorney. That's what authority is. He gave you the power of attorney to use his name as though you were him. You know, it's the power of attorney that you have, you have the power of attorney over someone in your family, etc. that you have legal rights to make decisions on their behalf. But the power of attorney for Christ, we're not making a decision on his behalf. He's making a decision in and through us, but we're executing his decision. And it's not his will that our family be plagued. It's not his will that generational curses are on our family. So therefore, he's given us legal rights to use his name to cause it to evict it. You have power and authority. So therefore, what are you afraid of when you have all this power, all this authority, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And then we have the authority of Jesus Christ. And we know that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. At the name of Jesus, the demons tremble. And you have that authority. So when you show up, demons tremble. They're just hoping that you don't know who you are. They're hoping you don't wake up to the power and authority that's on the inside of you. They're hoping that you don't rise up and realize that I am the curse breaker in my family. I am the interruption in my bloodline. It's, it ends with me. It will not get past me. Not another generation will have to experience the sickness that has been on my bloodline. Not another generation will have to experience the pain and, and the patterns and the demonic patterns that I have seen in my bloodline. That's on you. You are the generational curse breaker. Your name came up. You have the power and the authority. He said, that's why God said, I've given you everything that you need, and you have all of heaven's defense at your disposal. You have angels that you can dispatch to, uh, to war on your behalf, to war on your family's behalf. You have all this at your disposal. So there's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be concerned with. All right, let's go to Genesis 37. Genesis 37, verses 1 through 4. Again, it's Genesis 37, verses 1 through 4. And we covered a little bit of this in, um, in our warfare series. Where we talked about uh, the bloodline, defending the bloodline. Genesis 37, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, 
they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So, of course, we know that Joseph was sold into slavery because of his brother's jealousy towards him. However, his brother's jealousy uh, came about because of their father, Jacob. It makes no sense for a family member to be jealous of another when we're all part of the same blood and when you're all a part of the same family and can share in the same blessings. Again, we talk about those generational blessings. So Jacob showed favoritism, and it was obvious that he loved Joseph more than his other sons because he had Joseph when he was in his old age. However, this was generational because Jacob went through the similar thing with his brother Esau. So Jacob knew what it felt like to not be the favorite because he experienced it when Esau was his father's favorite. So Jacob knew what it was like to not, quote, unquote, be the favorite knowingly, okay? And so, but, but instead of breaking the cycle, Jacob fell into the same cycle and showed favoritism towards his son Joseph that caused jealousy in the other brothers. So he was now guilty of the same thing that he went through. And that's similar to someone who was neglected as a child uh, and in turn neglects their own children. Generational curses can only continue when it's allowed to operate in your family. Again, generational curses can only continue when it's allowed to operate in your family. So you have the power to shut down that demonic operation. Again, you have the power to shut down that demonic operation. And a generation before Joseph was Jacob and Esau, as I mentioned earlier, Jacob and Esau. Okay? Um, and so, so of course, uh, Esau was Joseph's uncle. So we know Jacob was Joseph's dad. So Esau, uh, going back to uh, Joseph's uncle, Esau was the oldest, and their father Isaac, as I said, favored Esau. And then Esau lost his birthright to Jacob, who, again, was the youngest son. Uh, and then there was a family feud with Jacob and his brother Esau. And so Esau hated Jacob when he found out that he got the father's blessing that belonged to him. So a family feud that's not properly dealt with will leave a door wide open for the enemy to walk in if you don't shut that door. So don't let disagreements with a family member continue. Step up and make peace because you represent God and the family name. You represent God and your family name, so you step up and make peace. And with help, we know that according to the story, with the help of their mother, uh, Jacob trip, tricked his father Isaac, who had become blind by the time he was older and couldn't see. And then Jacob had Isaac to believe that he was Esau. So again, the mom talked to Jacob and was like, okay, let's put some camel's hair on you, et cetera, so that when your dad touches you, you know, he, you, you'll feel like Esau because Esau was here. So they said, okay, let's put this, 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 this animal hair on you so that when your dad, he's blind now, so he touches you, he'll think that you're Esau. So again, the mother uh, helped Jacob deceive the father Isaac. So again, so Jacob, again, had Isaac to believe that he was Esau. And so, and again, this is going back, this is again a generation before Joseph. And so the spirit of deceit was passed generationally. Now we get to Joseph now. So this, this spirit of deceit that happened with uh, Joseph's dad and his uncle, now we see that it was passed on to Joseph and his brothers because now Joseph's brothers tricked uh, their, their father. First they tricked Joseph by you know, selling him into slavery, and then they tricked the father Jacob to have him to believe that Joseph was dead when in all actually they sold him into slavery. So, so you see this, this perpetual uh, line, lineage of deceit and deception going on. So some people understand. There's some people that may have hurt you because the enemy tried to stop what God wanted to do. But you can change that by making peace with who hurt you. I know, it, like I said, there may be some family members that say some things, done some things that hurt, etc. But again, because the enemy tried to stop what God was trying to do in your family. 
So you can change that by making peace with whoever hurt you. And so now a generation later, Jacob's son Reuben, who was the oldest. So we see in this pattern. So now Jacob's son Reuben, who was the oldest, he lost his birthright because he committed adultery with one of his father's concubines. And we know his uncle Esau lost his birthright to Jacob. So we see now two, another one generation before Esau lost his birthright. And then now we see, uh, of course, Esau was the oldest. He lost his birthright to his younger, younger brother, uh, Jacob. Now we see the, a generation later, we see Reuben, who was the oldest. Now he lost his birthright because of what he did. So we see a history of the same problems within this family. And that was a demonic pattern. Okay, so we've seen, uh, we've seen deceit. We've seen uh, 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 folks, uh, uh, family members uh, who uh, pretty much stepped outside of God's will and, and, and they sold their birthright or lost their birthright because of something they did, etc. So we see a history of the same problems within this family. So demonic patterns of the enemy are only patterns because it's been working. Hear me clearly. Hear me clearly now. Demonic patterns of the enemy are only patterns because it has been working. So you can begin by breaking a pattern by ensuring that it does not work with you. You can make sure that the pattern does not work with you. So the question is, have you conquered what's been trying to conquer your family? Have you conquered what's been trying to conquer your family? Have you conquered what's been trying to conquer your family? Because, again, it's just, and it should stop with you. So, uh, so two generations before Joseph. There was a conflict between Abraham's sons, Isaac and Ishmael. So Abraham had Ishmael through his wife's maid, Hagar. She served as a surrogate mother because Sarah had not been able to have children at that time. And so it was Sarah's idea for Abraham to do this. It was Sarah's idea. However, Sarah had a child with Abraham later who was named Isaac. So there was a family feud then. So when Isaac was born, Sarah saw Ishmael scoffing or mocking because of Isaac's birth. And so Ishmael was around 15 years old at this time, so Ishmael was jealous. So when Sarah saw this, she told Abraham that Hagar and Ishmael needed to go. you got to get them out of here. they got to leave. Now, granted, this was Abraham's son, but he didn't have that this child uh, by his wife Sarah. He had it by Hagar, their, their, uh, uh, their maid, if you will. And so you understand. So this is like rejection. So you may have felt rejected by family, but all it did was push you to a position to be able to turn your bloodline around. So this, in this particular situation, it became so bad that Hagar had to leave the country with her son Ishmael. So now we see a history of the spirit of rejection, deception, and jealousy that was circulating through this bloodline from generation to generation. We see the patterns of jealousy. Okay, uh, we saw here how uh, Isaac, I mean Ishmael, was jealous of Isaac. Okay, then we saw how uh, 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 Joseph's brothers were jealous of Joseph. Okay, so we've seen it. So again, rejection, they, they were, because they felt rejected, and some of them were rejected, etc., and deception at all. So we see all that's going on in this family bloodline that was passed down from generation to generation to generation that was circulating. So understand this, rejection is a spirit who wants you to feel like you don't matter because it knows that it doesn't matter. So don't give, the, don't give it the attention that it craves. Again, the spirit of rejection is craving attention. It knows that it does not matter, so it wants you to feel like you don't matter. So therefore, don't give attention to that spirit of rejection that's trying to make you feel rejected, like you don't matter, etc. You have to rebuke that spirit. Don't, don't receive that seed in your life. So we see how these issues continue in the family bloodline from generation to generation. I tell Joseph, Joseph, we got to Joseph, how he became that interruption in his bloodline. He became the curse breaker, even though the curse tried to take him out. They sold him into slavery. 
The enemy tried to take him out. So the enemy is trying to stop you because you are the curse breaker in your family. But trust me when I say you will win. Yes, the enemy is trying to stop you because you are the curse breaker in your family. But you will win. Joseph went through slavery and he rose, but he rose to power to actually save his entire family. Joseph was able to save his entire family. So you may have felt like, like the different one in your family, but God can use you to rescue your family. So God has placed in you the power to be able to change anything you come in contact with that is not aligned with God's will. So again, God has placed in you the power to be able to change anything you come in contact with that is not aligned with God's will. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 16. Again, that's Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 16. All right. And it reads, For this commandment which I command you today is not, to, uh, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land which you go to possess. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. So God was speaking to the children of Israel in this passage, and it applies to you and I today. We don't have to look far and wide for God's commandments because it's already given to us. His word is near us and is in us once we accept Christ in our lives. The Holy Spirit will guide us. but We must continue to feed our spirit with God's word so we can know what he said. If you don't feed your spirit with God's word, then you won't know what he said. You won't know how to come back to him if you don't know what God said. That's why Satan tried to twist the word of God, because Satan knows the word. That's why when Jesus came off his fast, Satan tried to twist the word of God, but Jesus knew the word, so he couldn't get him. Okay? So that's why we can't afford not to study. Okay? That's why it's great that you, you know, part of this Bible study, you get more word, etc. But again, even after that, you have to have your own private time. Okay? Again, so the Holy Spirit will guide us. So if you obey God, he will bless us in territories that he's given us. And this blessing that God spoke of, which generation in this passage, was a generational blessing. And again, the blessing here was tied to obedience. Obedience to God opens the door for generational deliverance to occur in your family. I'm going to say that again. Obedience to God opens the door for generational deliverance to occur in your family. Completely break that curse over your bloodline. And there are rewards for obedience and consequences for disobedience. So again, your obedience matters to God regardless of what someone else does or does not do. Obedience holds a lot of weight in God's kingdom. So your obedience holds a lot of weight. It matters that you are in position in your family. It matters that you are doing what God has called you to do. So God has and will place his word in your mouth and in your heart as you seek him. And as he commanded the children of Israel in this particular passage, he also commands us to love him, walk in his ways, and do what? Keep his commandments. And through this obedience, we will be blessed everywhere that he sends us. So therefore, you have to stop simply reacting to the attacks of the enemy and start responding to them with the word of God. I'm going to say that again. Stop simply reacting to the 
attacks of the enemy and start responding to them with the word of God. Because, again, there's a difference between a reaction and a response. Reacting is, oh, it happened. Oh, I can't believe it happened. Oh, my goodness. A response is what we're going to do about it. I see the attacks of the enemy. I see the generation occur. What am I going to do about it? That's my response. I'm going to fight in prayer. And this passage also talks about how we live and multiply when we love God and walk in his ways. Because, again, we know God is big on multiplication. When you're obedient to God, he will multiply what he put in you so that you will produce, so that you will produce even more in the earth. Again, when you're obedient to God, he will multiply what he put in you so that you will produce even more in the earth. And understand this. Hear me clearly. The faithfulness in you, God wants to multiply in your family so that your family legacy grows and brings more glory to God on earth. And the more that it's multiplied, the curse cannot survive. Generational curses cannot survive in a godly kingdom atmosphere. Generational curses cannot survive in a godly kingdom atmosphere. So your life, your life can set the atmosphere for your family. What is your life speaking? Your life can set the atmosphere for your family to where generational curses will not be able to survive because of the godly atmosphere that you set, because of the life that you live for God. Obedience is the first way to get in position. That's how you get in position, obedience to the will of God. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 5. And that's Genesis 26, verses 1 through 5. Okay, again, it's Genesis chapter 26, again at verse 1, and it reads, There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your ascendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So watch this now. So Isaac was blessed. Isaac was blessed because his father Abraham was obedient to God. So your obedience or disobedience today impacts your children and others in the in next generation tomorrow. So our obedience has a greater impact than just on us. It can be generational. So Isaac was able to enjoy the blessings from his father's obedience even in the midst of a famine, even in the midst of a dry place. So your family may be in a low place right now. Your family may be in a low place right now, but your faithfulness to God can cause the family to rise up. So we see the importance of obedience once again. Some family members may be walking in rebellion to God, but because of your obedience, you bought them some time in the spirit realm so that they can get right with God. So your obedience is important. That's why I say don't ever take your prayers lightly. Don't ever take your prayers for granted. Don't ever think your prayers don't matter. So if you really knew how important you are, you would have an entirely different approach to many things. God gave specific instructions to Isaac. He said, don't go down to Egypt. Don't go down to Egypt. And he told him to go where God was sending him. So you may be frustrated because you've been trying to go the way you know, but God is taking you away that you have not known before. 
God is taking you away you have not known before. Hear me clearly. God is taking you away you have not known before. Prophetically, God is taking you away that you have not known before. So don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Go God's way. And the path to generational deliverance in your family, they have to pass through you. So make sure you're in position to be used by God. I'm going to say that again. The path to generational deliverance in your family may have to pass through you. So make sure you're in position to be used by God. And when you're in the place that God has sent you, he is obligated. He is obligated by his own word to bless you there. When you're in position and obedience, doing what God's called you to do, by, by his law, he's obligated by his own word to bless you there. So if your family needs change, look in the mirror. You're the change agent that God put in the family to help bring it all together. You were waiting on someone else. You were looking for someone else. Don't wait for a fa- another family member to do for the family what God's been pushing you to do. Don't wait for another family member to, to do for the family what God has been pushing you to do. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 2. And then we're going to end with Deuteronomy chapter 32. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 2. And then we're going to read Deuteronomy 32, 22 through 23. Okay, so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 2. We talk about uh, breaking generational curses, destroying generational curses. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 2, and it reads, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So here we see in this passage, when you obey God, you don't have to ask for blessings or look for blessings because the blessings will be looking for you. Because the blessings will be looking for you. They will literally overtake you. Obedience automatically promotes you to what God has next for you. Notice that it says diligently obey the voice of God. Obedience to God is not a one-time thing, but it must be a lifestyle. Your obedience to God opens doors because obedience gives you a key to the storehouse of heaven. Once again, we see generational blessings. So breaking generational curses automatically opens the door so your family can receive generational blessings. Again, breaking generational curses automatically opens the door so your family can receive generational blessings. So understand this. Demons have been stalking your family because your family is able to multiply. And the more you multiply God's love, the greater the impact. The more you multiply God's love, the greater impact. So don't you dare give up on your family. Don't you dare write them off. Your family may have been overlooked in the past because of where you came from, but you all will be on display because of where you're going. Again, your family may have been overlooked, downtrodden, cast aside in the past because of where you came from, but you all will be on display because of where you're going. All right, let's go to our last passage, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Chapter 32, verses 22 through 23. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 22 through 23. All right, again, that's Deuteronomy 32, verses 22 to 23, and it reads, For a fire is kindled in my anger, 
and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will keep disasters on them. I will spend my arrows on them. So we, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the fire of God. So again, this passage speaks of the destruction that God would send to Israel because of their faithlessness, their continual sin and disobedience to God and through worshiping idols. So because of this, God was going to send destruction to, to Judea. So this passage is very clear. God's fire is kindled in his anger. So you have the ability to send the fire of God to destroy demonic foundations set up in your family. When you send the fire of God, you send God's anger against the enemy because God detests evil. So therefore, you need to call down the fire of God to destroy every demonic foundation of that, that the enemy has set up in your family. So again, you can call down the fire of God. Like, Lord, I send the fire now to destroy every demonic foundation that's been set up in my family. And again, so not only is God's anger in the fire, but his judgment is in the fire. God's fire is often connected with judgment. So when you release God's fire from heaven against the enemy, it sends God's judgment against them for what they've done to you and your family. So you see how destructive God's fire is from this passage. He said that his fire would burn to the lowest hell. It would consume the earth's increase, which means his crops, and the foundation of the mountains. So God's fire would not only destroy the vegetation in the land, but he was saying that it would go beyond and destroy the root and the foundation. Therefore, it would leave no place for it to grow back. So when you pray for God's fire to fall upon the enemy, the fire destroys the root cause. It gets down to that foundation, that demonic foundation. So you need, you need God's fire to destroy generational curses. And the fire of God does not just deal with symptoms. It goes straight to the root and destroys it. So don't just pray against symptoms that are impacting your family. Pray to destroy the root of what is caused and has been causing a problem, what has been causing that vicious cycle again. And we start to talk about a generational curse, what it, what it is. So you must understand the magnitude of sending the fire of God. It's no joke. When you call down the fire of God to earth, it brings an end to a thing, period. And daily, I, I pray for that fire of God to fall every day because, again, the enemy is always trying to, to come back and form it again. So I would say whatever, you, you know, I send the fire of God to destroy any demonic foundation that's been trying to be formed, again, after it was already destroyed. Because, again, you can destroy it, and they're like, okay, well, let's go try to regroup, and they're going to try to come back. So, again, you got to keep sending that fire until you completely see that change. So you have to understand the magnitude of this fire. And so it's, it's, it's time for some things that the enemy has done to your family for centuries to come to an end, and you can lead the fight. And the enemy is afraid of the fire of God because it not only destroys their works, but it also brings judgment with it. So that's a double problem. It burns going in, and it burns coming out. So when you ask God to send the fire of God from heaven, that fire will not stop until it destroys the target. So you see in this particular passage that after God sent the fire, he would also send arrows. He said he would send arrows. So the fire of God is truly a lethal missile, a lethal missile, a lethal missile. And again, a generational curse is a systematic attack of the enemy on families by creating vicious cycles in an attempt to keep an entire family in bondage, strip them of purpose and identity with the end goal of eventually making the family extinct. And they if for the family will not be extinct as long as you fight and do your part, you walk in obedience, you get in position, send that fire of God to destroy the works of the enemy, send the blood of Jesus to send confusion to the enemy's camp. Every day that you pray before you go to sleep, pray, Lord, wash me in the blood of Jesus. Because it's it, it not only uh, it's for salvation, but it's also for protection. 
And the blood of Jesus also, you have to put the blood of Jesus to work. When you send it, you have to send the blood of you. You have to tell the blood what to do. Send the blood to flow into the, uh, every demonic camp, to destroy uh, the enemy's camp, to, to, to uh, wreak confusion into the enemy's camp. So you can send the blood. You have to tell it what to do. We talked about this in our spiritual world. We're training about all the weapons that you have. You can dispatch angels, warring angels, to war on the behalf of your family. So, again, so you have many, many things you can do to combat generational curses. Uh, and uh, and we've had, you know, and, and as God gives you the strength, because you're the generational curse breaker. And uh, we had a young lady uh, on the call, uh, Crystal, who uh, she had shared a podcast about two of her brothers, three years apart, they committed suicide. Two years apart, they committed suicide. And and, and, and her mother, uh, she, she did a podcast, her and her mother, and she interviewed her mother uh, about the, uh, you know, about the incident. And, and, and her mother, again, and, and two of her brothers committed suicide three years apart, and the mother found both brothers and one had shot himself and another one had killed him had hung himself and the mother discovered them both and again this is three years apart can't imagine what that's like going through as a parent i uh, can't imagine what that's like going through as a sibling uh but they were, were, were courageous enough uh to share and i shared it with some people and uh they truly were blessed by it and just that courage of that family uh so crystal you on the call do appreciate you sharing that uh but again that's something that a, a curse that the enemy tried to do to take her family out but with the enemy meant for bad, God's still going to turn around to good because they came together, her and her mother, they did a podcast to, 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 to tell people about suicide and suicide prevention and just talking through it because you know, it was a lot to be able to talk about it. Uh, so they, they, they were, uh, the Holy Spirit gave them that courage and that strength uh, to say, okay, this, this pattern will not continue in our family. You know, we will stop this. We, we, we are not defeated. Uh, so that's just something. Uh, so we thank you, Chris, for that, uh, for sharing that podcast, you and your uh, family. Uh, went to, and of course, we continue to pray, keep them in your prayers because, you know, the enemy could constantly try to sow seeds in, in their mind, et cetera. So uh, keep keep that family in their prayers uh, out of uh, Atlanta. Father God, we come now to the end of yet another Bible study. We thank you, O oh God, for the word that went forth tonight, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for uh, the generational curse breakers that are under the sign of my voice, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, that they shall destroy the generational curses that have been haunting their bloodline. We thank you for their very lives. We thank you for their, their spirits, O oh God. I come up against the spirit of retaliation that will try to come back against them, O oh God. We come up against it. We plead the blood of Jesus. I declare they're covered in the blood of Jesus. They have the mind of Christ. I declare the full arm of God is upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus, O oh God. So we thank you, O oh God, that they shall go forth and do what you called them to do, O oh God. That they shall evict demons that have been trying to haunt their bloodline for centuries, O oh God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for rising up in them. We thank you for the power and authority that they shall walk in, O oh God. And I declare your peace shall rest upon their home, O oh God. Your peace shall rest in their families, O oh God. So Lord, we bless you now and we glorify you and we thank you now. I catapult them forward. I push them forward in the mighty name of Jesus. For Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are mighty, O oh God. We glorify you, and we thank you for the doors that you open in their lives, O oh God. We thank you for pushing them forward, O oh God. So we glorify your name now. We lift your name on high now. We thank you, O oh God. And, O oh God, even in the midst of this call, O oh God, on this day, O oh God, we know that uh, decision is being made. And, and, and the Michael Brown case, O oh God, we, we ask you to uh, just strengthen that family, O oh God, all families that are involved, O oh God. For, Lord, you know uh, the truth, O oh God, of whatever happened, O oh God, and Lord, you're still sovereign. You still sit on your throne, O oh God. So in the midst of any decision, O oh God, we declare that peace shall come forth, O oh God. We declare that justice shall go forward. We declare, O oh God, that uh, true talk shall come to the table, O oh God, about how to move forward with race relations in America, O oh God. So we just ask you, O oh God, that your spirit of peace uh, will rest upon this country, O oh God, that, uh, uh, that, 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 that reconciliation shall take place, O oh God. So we just thank you, O oh God. We glorify your name now, O oh God. These are blessed. We ask your son Jesus, and we pray. 
Amen, amen, and amen. So that's all I have tonight. So remember that you are the breath of God, and God never wastes the breath. This is Apostle Green signing out. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Good night. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.